0: Hello and welcome to the Tiny Moments Podcast. My name is Taylor Francisco and I'm your host. The Tiny Moments Podcast is all about appreciating those tiny moments in life because one day you're going to look back and realize they were actually the big moments. Expect a lot of conversations about life, self-love, growth, and sometimes TMI. (laughs) I hope that if you're listening, you take something away from this episode, or you feel inspired, or maybe you just feel a little bit happier than you did earlier. Thank you so much for being here with me, and let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to the Tiny Moments podcast. My name is Taylor from taylorfrancisco.com, and I am a social media manager, content creator, YouTuber, podcaster, and so much more. Today's episode is very exciting. I have been on such a transformational self-love journey lately and when I say lately, I literally mean over the past couple of months. So I feel like this episode is just so fitting and so complimentary for what I've been going through. Today we have Venet She is a Dietitian, sorry, registered dietitian and neuroscientist who helps clients break free from emotional eating so they can nourish their bodies with love and confidence. So, Vineet, would you like to introduce yourself? For
1: sure. Hello, everyone who's listening uh, today. I'm really excited to have this conversation with Taylor. I absolutely love talking about the body and the mind connection, um, as well as you know, all things food and nutrition. So I'm just really looking forward to having that conversation with all of you and listening to how this kind of evolves in our Winnipeg community.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate that you took time out of your day to talk to us. And I feel like everyone is just going to get so much value out of this episode. Mm -hmm. So first and foremost, I want to know what exactly do you do as a dietitian and a neuroscientist?
1: Absolutely. So I'll actually begin by a dietitian first, because I think um, my services um, as a reg- registered dietitian are the most tangible, I think, for people to understand. And that's also how I'm registered as a professional. So I um, help translate you know, medical as well as nutrition information. Um, Because nobody needs to go to school for four years uh, to learn all things um, about body and nutrition, and so I can help them translate that knowledge into practical uh, eating plans for them as well as their life. Because sometimes individuals don't want to change their life circumstances, and they really want these like complex nutrition guidelines to fit into their particular lifestyle. Um, I also provide like individualized nutrition advice um, to make healthier choices Um, and if anybody has any health related concerns so whether that is chronic conditions like food sensitivities allergies any specialized plans for a particular stage in their life Um, And so this is what we traditionally think dietitians do. And I absolutely do all of that. Um, But the added perspective that I bring to the table as a neuroscientist is that I understand that we have all learned about some of these things. We all know that we know how to eat healthy foods and how to enjoy food. But sometimes we feel that we just can't do it. And it could be just a single moment in many months, or it could be a moment, um, you know, very frequently, uh, weekly, or it could be something that we might currently feel like we're stuck in, right? And it's not something we're going to be in always we feel, but eventually we find ourselves landing in a specific eating pattern that we know is not, it doesn't feel good uh, physically or mentally or socially. Um, and then we kind of feel stuck in, in like kind of the shame and the guilt and the blame around that. So as a neuroscientist, I actually can un- you know, help provide clarity on how to change our behavior so that we don't find ourselves in that mindset um, frequently or repeatedly. Um, so how to kind of move from what you need to do to how to actually do it in a sustainable um, ways and intentions.
0: Amazing. I love that. And I feel like when I think of diets or even a dietitian, I always just feel so overwhelmed because there's so much to know. And so it's nice to know there's people in our city who know what they're talking about Mm -hmm. and who want to make it sustainable. And I think that's been my thing too with my diet is just figuring out how to be how to have a diet that feels good, that's um, attainable? <laughs> because mm-hmm. you know, if I tell myself I'm going to eat super healthy all day, every day, and never have a treat, you know, it's just not—it doesn't work. So it's nice to know that there's someone out there to help with that. Um, my next kind of question would be: What made you want to become a dietitian and a neuroscientist? And how? I know you said that um, you know being a neuroscientist kind of sets you apart from the rest. So how? Um, how did that come about that you wanted to be both?
1: Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So I'm going to take you down um, the memory lane, I guess. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I was um, like, I came from a family where everybody had a a science degree. And so they were all scientists. And I remember being very young and wanting to be a scientist because I thought scientists were the coolest. They were (laughs) you know, bringing new things to the world. It almost was magical. Um, And so I was really good at science always. And I entered UBC wanting to study science. And I enrolled in the Bachelor's of Science program. And I had to, in my second year, I had to make the decision of which particular science I wanted to study. And I have this line, uh, you know, recorded um, or like snapshotted on my screen because. Um, it's something that I go back to frequently to get in touch with why I'm doing what I'm doing. And actually, um, the UBC Behavioral uh, Neuroscience Program had written on their website that this BSE program is specifically intended for students interested in biological bases of behavior. Okay, And so I was really interested in why do we behave the way we do? And how right. can we change it if possible? Because at that time, I was really taken by this question of how do we make the changes that we want to make?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so that's where my you know, interest and love with neuroscience started. And that's what I spent um, five years doing at UBC. And I, once I was done, I had to make a decision of what to do next. So I wanted to be a doctor. And I had written my MCAT because I really wanted to help people make those behavior changes. And that year, as I was writing my applications and working with two different doctors in different capacities, uh, one as a kind of uh, in a behavior program um, within a clinic, and then also as a volunteer language program that I was doing. And I learned that doctors don't have enough time to actually discuss behavior. They're yeah. so amazing because they can tell us what is going on And what we need to do, like they will give us the goal, but there are like hundred steps between where we are and to that goal. And they don't have the time to walk us through those hundred steps. And so we feel completely disoriented with the medical information that is out there because we feel like we should be at the hundredth step of each and every aspect of health, whether that is physical health or mental health or social health. Um, and we feel like we're not at those levels and that weighs us down, right? And so I wanted to work um, in a space where I actually wasn't restricted by time. Um, and so in my, you know, that year I took multiple different allied health professional classes and I I narrowed nutrition down as the practice that I wanted to do because I learned that dieticians can actually work in, Variety of fields. So the amount of different jobs I could do as a dietitian is uh, tremendous. I could work in private practice, in hospitals, in education, in government, in nonprofit sector, in business sector, in like wow. food companies, like whatever you name it, right? Um, and so I wanted to be able to have a more wider scope in that way because I want to con- constantly evolve in this profession as well, and there are uh, so many different ways to do so. Um, And also in private practice, I don't have to be constricted by time. So for example, an initial assessment with me is 90 minutes, which is very uncommon. In fact, I I don't think a lot of professionals give a 90 minute appointment. And obviously my uh, prices are competitive with those who are offering just 60 minutes sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, But the idea here is that We need time to understand our behavior um, within nutrition as well, because it is one of those topics that, you know, there's so much out there, uh, especially tied to like self-esteem, which, uh, you know, we can talk about all the time. Um, Because I actually want to ask you the question about the transformational uh, Mm self-care that you've been on recently, because that is all part of this conversation around body and food. And so, I wanted to work in nutrition because alarmingly high number of people feel that they're not making the right food decisions, uh, and they know what they should be doing, you know. And then it's just it ends there. Um, there's so much, like there's a feeling of overwhelmingness when we feel like we have to make a change and then to commit to it. So I wanted to work in that particular space where I could offer that perspective from my neuroscience already to how to walk um, the what from how, right? And to actually get to that stage. So yeah, I, that's what I, that's how I became a dietitian after becoming a neuroscientist, because I wanted to really provide that focus to my practice through food.
0: That's amazing. And I love that your focus is on that middle part, you know, from where you're at now to where you want to be. And like you said, there's a hundred steps in between Mm -hmm. that. And there's hardly anyone who shows us what those steps are and kind of walks Mm -hmm. us through. So I think that's really amazing that, um, that you do that. And I wanted to kind of go back to, I guess your question for me that you were going to ask about my self-love journey. Was there something specific you wanted to know, or do you want me to just like kind of elaborate on that?
1: Yeah. Like I'd love for you to elaborate so that, first of all, everybody listening can have an insight into that amazing experience. Um, But also for uh, us to have this confirmation um, and be on the same page about what is transformational self-care, because I think that dialogue itself will inform a lot of what you do as well as what I do at the same time.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I think that's why I'm so excited to be having this conversation. I mean, obviously I already knew you were amazing. I looked at your content on social media. I also got the opportunity to meet you briefly in person when I had that tour at Fortify, which is where you work. Um, And so... I don't know. It's just weird. Like over the last couple of months, I feel like I've just been really on a different kind of self-love journey. And aside from food, I'll just start with everything else. So I've been super open about this. The tiny moments podcast listeners know, but I've struggled with anxiety and depression for quite a long time. And for the longest time, I kind of let it define me. And so I would say I am depressed or I am anxious. And I don't know what exactly shifted. I think maybe just the fact that I've been going through um, a change professionally. I left my nine to five to pursue the business that I have now. And I just have so much more creative freedom. And so obviously that was really freeing, but I feel like along with that came, okay, I have this new confidence just in myself and my abilities. And now when I think of anxiety and depression, I say I am experiencing anxiety or I Feel a little bit depressed or whatever it is, but I don't say I am depressed Mm -hmm. because I don't want to let it define me. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's kind of where it started with that is just feeling confident in myself as a person. And then now with this whole self love journey, just about how I look, honestly, I don't even really know how it came about. I think just literally last month, I kind of woke up and I was like, I actually love my body and I love how I look with or without makeup. And I feel like I've been putting some more effort into wearing things that make me feel good instead of mm. following trends or, you know, doing things that I think I should be doing. Mm. I'm just doing what makes me feel good. And then when it comes to nutrition, I'm also eating what makes me feel good. And I, when I first heard the term intuitive eating, like I had no idea what that was. And to me, I was like, Oh, well, if it was up to me, I'm going to eat Cheetos every day. Mm. Right. Um, but that's not what it is at all. And so that's, of what I wanted to ask you about in a little bit as well. But right now, I just feel like I've been eating foods that make me feel good and I'm listening to my body. I'm listening to my hunger. I'm not trying to fast for hours long so that I can binge eat later. Like I, I've just been very mindful of that and feeling really good about it. So that's why I feel like this conversation was so needed and just so fitting for where I'm at right now. And yeah, I guess that's kind of that's kind of been my journey lately with self-love. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and you know, you you just nailed um,
1: what self love is to the board um, to make to remind everyone that you know that disconnection that we experience from ourselves, which is where you know that love gets masked almost um, by self doubt instead. Um, it's a um, It's not a very comfortable space and it makes us uneasy. It makes us um, indecisive in life um, as well. And we become very uncertain about what to do. And you sharing that is powerful because it allows so many people to know that this is a universal experience, right? Because one of the first things we feel in that stage is that we are we're alone and this is happening to us because of the choices we have made. Therefore, there is something that is to be blamed, right? Whereas when you are experiencing self-love and, you know, it's so mysterious, you may not be able to clearly say why you love your body today and you hated it yesterday, um, but you can feel it. You don't have the same kind of you know, nervous activation, as well as feelings uh, towards that thought. Um, And that's truly a transformational place to be at. And, you know, what I love about um, kind of what I do is that even individuals who are in that transformational space, um, they have new diet cultures to grapple with in a way, right? right? There's still roots of diet cultures that live there. So for example, Um, do you ever feel that, you know, this feeling of wanting to eat good food, is there any uh, doubts associated around that for you?
0: Yeah, I think I'm actually going to bring it back a little bit. So everyone, and I guess you too can kind of understand where all of my thought processes came from. So Mm -hmm. growing up, I definitely had like a mom who cooked amazing food. She would always have veggies as part of the meal. There was never a time where she said like, we need to eat healthy. Like dieting was never something she talked about. And I really appreciate that about my childhood because I never had to think about it. She just mm-hmm. always had like fresh fruit and veggies as part of every snack and meal. So for me, that was pretty normal. Mm-hmm. But then I remember being in middle school, even parts of elementary where people would make fun of me because of how skinny I was. I was just naturally very petite. I was like a size double zero or zero for most of my childhood. And my mom is also, you know, a smaller person. So that's just how we were. But I remember people literally being like, are you eating? Like, is someone not cooking at home? Like saying crazy things like that. And I just remember feeling so, um, uncomfortable and like something was wrong. And so I'm like, Oh, maybe like I should be eating more. I don't know. And then by the time I got to high school, I remember specifically one comment that really stands out to me. I had a guy friend and I remember he said, you would look so much better with some meat on your bones, (laughs) which is an awful thing to say. Like, anyway, so that being said, from that point on, I would just binge eat. So like, Every single evening, I'd be in my room on my laptop, doing whatever teenagers do, reading, YouTube, and I would just eat constantly. Even though I wasn't hungry anymore, I was constantly to and from the kitchen, bringing stuff to my room, eating till I literally felt like I was going to puke. Cause I was just hoping, like, okay, maybe I'll get some curves. Maybe, like, maybe I'll grow a butt or some boobs, right? Things that these guys in high school desire or whatever I thought. And so, I think an unhealthy eating pattern developed there where I just thought, okay, I need to eat everything. And then at that point as well, I wasn't caring whether or not I was healthy. So I'm talking McDonald's chips, whatever I thought would help me gain the weight. And I never did. Um, My body was just naturally smaller. I was also a dancer. And then when I started working, I was a server and doing all of that. So for me, naturally, it was just hard to gain weight. And I think that's what kind of messed up my perception of intuitive eating and just being healthy. I I just thought I should eat as much as I possibly can. And on that note, I didn't care if, you know, I was eating fried foods every day. And so later on in life, when I stopped dancing, I actually got in, at this point, three car accidents, um, which You know, I couldn't dance anymore after that. I couldn't even really work out. I wasn't as active. I was a little bit older. I was also on birth control. And so, in one year, I went from, I believe it was a size like one to three to a size nine. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with a size nine at all. But for me, that was a big jump. It was the first time in my life I had seen weight gain. And then I remember being like, okay, well, I have the thighs and the butt that I always wanted, but now I have this tummy to go with it. And now I'm trying to navigate this new body. And that was a struggle. And when I decided I wanted to lose weight, and again, this wasn't even for me, this was just appearance-based and Um, based off of other people's opinions. But when I decided I wanted to lose weight, I was like, geez, I have absolutely no idea how to even eat healthy anymore because all I've known is that I can eat McDonald's every day and not gain a pound. Mm -hmm. And I was never mindful of how the McDonald's made me feel. I was never mindful of my energy levels, like none of that. So transitioning into an adult later on, I think, yeah, I think it just messed me up because I wasn't sure where to go from there and wasn't sure um, how to be healthy and what that even looked like. And on top of that, I didn't know if being healthy meant that I had to lose weight because at one point I was like, okay, well, I'm adding in fruits and veggies and I feel pretty good. Like all my meals look pretty balanced, but I'm not losing weight. And so that was another thing I had to learn to understand as well, that just because you eat healthy doesn't necessarily mean you're going to lose weight. So that's kind of my journey. But lately I've just been really embracing my body and my curves. And I just feel good about where I'm at. I also feel like I am just eating foods in a way where my intention is to care for myself. It's not to have my body look a certain way. And then I think with that, it just makes me feel good inside, which makes me feel like I look better on the outside. So yeah, that's why I was just um, feeling like this conversation was so needed, especially at this time. Cause like I said, this is a very new journey for me, but Mm -hmm. that's my whole backstory. Thanks for tuning into my six hour TED talk. (laughs) (laughs) You're a
1: really good storyteller. I was with you through this all. Um, and you know, I I I heard about it in one of your podcasts as well with Hannah. But even this time I was equally captivated by I think the honesty with which you tell that story, like you become alive in that moment. Thank um, you. Of course. So I just wanted to uh share with you that, you know, first of all, congratulations on feeling the way you're feeling. That is so amazing. And uh, I'm really excited for that because, you know, you do have a platform uh, where you put yourself out and now you're going to put this beautiful version out, um, a self that loves. um, And that doesn't mean that there is no doubt, but doubt is not the stronger emotion, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that love becomes a inspiring feeling that we start to want to be with right so when we exist in self-doubt like one of the things you mentioned um in in kind of what you um when you were telling your story was you know I should be like a certain thing and Mm -hmm. I just don't know how to like get there or why you're not that and that's almost like everyone we all experience that distortion in our life where a sense of what the culture l- cultural assignment for us is to be a certain ideal and then we're not that ideal and that's when the doubt starts to kind of grow and sprout which we feel that why am i not like the way i was supposed to be and that gap is what gives rise to self doubt because now we feel like we need to go find out how to be that person And so in that space, we're disoriented and we're constantly looking for answers to validate that self-love within. But it's not happening because we are in that disconnection. We're coming from a place of doubt and blame and you know lack almost and in self transformation when that doubt stops becoming uh, a stronger emotion and we have the self love we're not looking at our body from this perspective of why is it like this what why is it not like an ideal what is wrong with it instead we're focusing on questions of how amazing it is that I get to live in this body and, you know, experience life, you start to see uh, your body as a vehicle, as well as like a form in which you enjoy life, uh, rather than be um, tackled by your body into your life. And you don't know how to take care of your body, how to wash it, how to keep it healthy, how to nourish it, how to move it, how to dress it. Um, all of those are body's functions. And so we let our bodies decide that rather than our mind. Uh, And so super exciting to hear that you will be showcasing more of that journey. Um, But I'm looking forward to kind of even going through some of the other elements, if you don't mind, in this question uh, that I noticed your past self saying. um, And just as a way of, you know, this change between uh, self-doubt and self-transformation, and that love, comes from understanding that all that you were trying to do was good, as you know. You you thought that was your priority, and mm. you should almost congratulate yourself for getting the things you wanted, right, and never really giving up on that journey. Like when your priority, you know, due to the culture and the context around you. When your priority became that you wanted to gain weight, you put yourself to it in a way, right? Despite the normal kind of understanding of how to eat food, you were like, you were doing things as a way to get to your goal. But it wasn't that you were wrong. It was just the goal was misguided. But that was never your goal to begin with. That goal was given to you. And right. I think as we go through this journey. And we realize that all of the goals that are given that we think are goals, are they really our goals? And when that priority switches and we realize what are truly our goals in life and what are goals given to us by society, we can step into this transformational space and really be ourselves and the self that we love. And so we honor it through food, we honor it through dressing through moving through celebrating,
0: you know? Um, and so as you went, can I I pause for one second and just go back to something you said that was so powerful. I'm so sorry to cut you off, Mm -hmm. but I love that you asked that question of, is this your goal or was this goal given to you? And I think that's another thing that I've been questioning a lot lately is, do I want this or does society want this of me? Or do I want to look like that? Or do I just think I should look like that because I'm looking at these Photoshopped images of models on Instagram, right? So I just wanted to like kind of pinpoint what you said there, because I think, That's such a gem in this podcast so far is learning, you know, what are your goals and what are goals that are actually given Mm -hmm. to you, but sorry to interrupt there.
1: (laughs) No, I, that was a great interjection. I think that point is definitely to be highlighted because, you know, when we start to learn what truly our goals are, then we almost find ourselves wondering, uh, Taylor, like right now, like what has changed? Nothing has changed. I'm still the same person. My body hasn't changed. My finances haven't changed. My diet hasn't changed. why do I love myself? And it's that in itself is a disorienting experience, right? Because mm-hmm. now you're wondering, I do I really know what I'm doing, right? Um, because the first step on this journey is always to understand what is, what is truly what we want uh, and what we think we should want. And so when that becomes clear, then the second doubt that steps in is, can I do it? Mm -hmm. Can I do what I truly think I want? Because it's a different path altogether. And you have no experience in it. You've not really been advised on it or educated on it. So now you wonder, how do I trust myself, right? Uh, Because you know it's totally worth it to trust in yourself. How do I do it? And I think that's where um, I fell in love with food as a tool as well, because we could Mm -hmm. do it through so many different ways, right? We could read amazing books. We could meditate. We could um, be really professional and elite in something. Or we could practice with food, which is something we do anyways, three times a day. Um, And instead of having those food experiences as like negative or overwhelming or threatening experiences, we can actually use those experiences to be more intuitive, right? Um, Where we don't have that doubt in our choices anymore, we're learning to trust ourselves because in intuitive eating, we develop body trust and therefore that is trust in self, right? Um, And so that could, that's always the next step um, after this initial step always. And it's a really beautiful time.
0: For sure. And so I wanted to touch on something you said there about intuitive eating and just Mm -hmm. health in general. So I know that health looks very different for everybody. Mm -hmm. Certain foods that feel good for one person may not feel good for another. So I know there's so many, um, it depends when it comes to this answer, but I kind of want to know, like, what is your definition of health? Like, what does it mean to eat healthy and eat intuitively? Um, If you can even answer that, I know there's so many things that that answer depends on, but.
1: Yeah. First of all, that's a great question um, because we're talking about health. Uh, Let's at least ensure that we're all on the same page about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And because you said it is a complex answer, I hope Uh, you don't mind, I go into like a little bit of a depth of health and kind of the history as well. Um, I really think that the reason we're so confused about health is because our primary understanding of health came from physical health, right? We were obsessed with our physical health and how our body functions. Um, and we don't take into account our mental and our social health along with it. So when I'm referring to health, I I refer to physical, mental, and social health, because that truly brings those, you know, sustainable changes that we always talk about. And it's really unfortunate that we only talk about these sustainable changes sometimes through the physical lens, uh, because that's only one third of the complete picture. And right no wonder that we feel like this picture is so blurred because we're trying to fit one third of the material in the full picture so it gets stretched and pixelated.
0: Right. Um,
1: and so when I uh, you know, look at somebody's health and let's say we're talking about food, it's really important that we not only consider what are their physical conditions uh, that need to be accounted for and where is their current physical levels of activity and nourishment, like uh, their blood serum uh, levels we um, look at, but also their mental health. So what is their stress levels? How is their sleep being impacted? How is their energy? Uh, Who are they living with? What are their living conditions? What are their working conditions? Um, How many people live in the house? Who are they cooking for? Who's cooking for them? Who's doing the grocery shopping? Um, What are their stresses at home? As well as their bowel movements. There's an interesting one in there. But we're looking at that um, whole picture of their life and how food fits into that. And then finally, but most importantly, the social elements of our health, which is how many trusting relationships do you have around you? Um, what are some of the coping mechanisms that you've successfully implemented for stress management, right? Mm. And if not, can we implement those uh, mechanisms? Because in order for any of our goals in physical health and mental health, we need to have a social health component into that picture. Otherwise, you know, we it's really hard for us to have those accountability measures in. Uh, we have a really hard time having those. Um, references almost of how our life is changing um, as an assurity as well as for that oxytocin that we're looking for in that body connection. Um, So we're looking at some of those elements of health and so that's how I would uh, define um, my own health as well uh, on days uh, where I feel completely healthy in all three elements. In fact, that's like the true feeling of health as well.
0: For sure. And I love that you said all of that because I think where we get tripped up, myself included, is that we look at health as only the physical, like your body composition. How do you look, right? But when I look at photos of me from when I was 19, that was probably the worst year of my life. And I looked fit. I had abs or whatever, but I was not healthy. My mental health was crap and I didn't have um super solid group of people around me all the time and it was just um it was not the best time in my life and so i'm really glad that you mentioned all of those things because mm-hmm. you know even i've heard stories of influencers that i follow talk about their body journey and how when they were really thin and even like um athletic competitors and stuff like that they were not happy they weren't healthy so i love that you touched on that and i love that that's a focus for you and um Yeah. And just what you do. But I kind of wanted to know along with that, do you think that there is a healthy way to want to lose weight? Or do you think that there's like a healthy way to focus on how your body looks? So if I came to you and I was like, Hey, I really want abs. Like, what do I do? (laughs) Is there a healthy way to go about that? Is that not healthy? Like, what is your opinion on that?
1: That's Again, a fantastic question and a big one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's different elements uh, in there, um, but the main question is: Can we do whatever we want with our bodies, or is there a biological limit to our bodies in a way? Um, and so I would like to answer those two questions in a you know, bit of a staggered way because. Um, Our bodies do have a genetic blueprint. Right. But whatever genetic blueprint we have is not bad or wrong. That is how our bodies are. And it's a very intelligent system. And so when we're looking at um, kind of biological forces, we have to understand that Those are very powerful within us, right? So um, let's say you get hurt, all of your cellular intelligence is going to kick in and it will heal the wound without you even playing any role in it consciously, right? Right. And so your body is able to do that. But if you put your mind to it and you said, but I want to heal faster, then you can go and look for information as well uh, to ensure that it doesn't scar so that it heals quickly and it recovers so that you have no um, impact um, of that injury on your life after that, right? So that's kind of the way we want to look at um, this question is one, we have to work with an understanding that there is a genetic component which is unchangeable, right? Right. And so we have to accept what is, and then we can start having a discussion of how to optimize our way of living in, in that genetic blueprint. But that optimization has to be physical, mental, and social, right? It can't just be physical optimization at the cost of mental... And social optimization, which is what ends up happening when we're dieting to change our body, when we're trying to have very aggressive, like physical routines that hurt our bodies, um, because we are only looking at the optimization of health. And we can totally optimize one of those physical health, but there has to be a balance. Otherwise, we run the risk of being less optimized mentally and socially. And so, I hope that answers your question, which is everything is possible and everything can be done in a healthy way. Uh, But if you're trying to do something extreme, then it's always better to have other people um, advising you on that journey because we can have a lot of distortions ourselves as well. So if you're training to be a a really pro athlete or like a really, you want to improve your athletic game. Um, then you have to understand that you're introducing a balance imbalance into your social health, right? Because you're spending a lot of time at the gym. You're spending a lot of time making sure that your food is consistent, right? Um, and so that's coming at your social uh, health cost, and that might be impacting your mental health as well. And so those are the elements we wanna look at when we're assessing someone who's trying to make, um, who's trying to move away from their genetic blueprint. Um, But if you wanna stay within your genetic blueprint and be optimized physically, mentally, and socially, then I think that's probably the best balance. And that's probably what most of us are looking for, right? Um, we're not trying to go in any extremes. We're just trying to optimize our lives the way they are, but we have to keep a balance of our three health systems. And I think when we, ha- when we have this conversation, I think a lot of people come in and say that, um, are you trying to say that people shouldn't lose weight then? Or are you trying to say that physical health doesn't matter as much? You can be a little unhealthy at the cost of mental health and social health. And my response to that is this, you're still talking only about physical health, right? I'm talking about physical, mental, and social. Where are you talking about mental and social? And so you're still coming from only one single perspective. And I can't have a conversation with you about the two other perspectives if you don't even feel like they're important in your own argument.
0: Right. And I think I see that a lot with just a lot of people that I've known in the past who have like body composition goals and who have a personal trainer and they're in the gym like three hours a day. And I have heard a lot of friends in the past say like, you know, we'll be out for dinner and they'll say, Oh, actually, like I can't eat that. Or Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I have to order something very specific. And for me, like, I think it's I don't know. I think I am a creature of habit. And so for example, even my boyfriend is going back to work at the office on Monday. He's been working from home throughout this pandemic. And so for me, I was kind of like, okay, this will actually help me get into a good routine of like breakfast, lunch, and dinner, packing lunches, um, you know, getting into that because as it is right now, sometimes we get lazy and we eat out and then it's food that doesn't make my tummy feel very good, like just too heavy, you know? Um, and so in that aspect, like, I think for me being a creature of habit and wanting to choose healthier options rather than Burger King or whatever it is, um, I feel like that's good for me. But if it were to the point that I can't go out with friends and enjoy an appetizer or a meal, or I cancel plans because I need to be at the gym for me, I don't think I would be happy. And I think I'm I don't know. I just think it's a good point that you brought up because, um, a lot of us are comparing ourselves to celebrities or Instagram models where that is literally their full-time job. Like also not to mention all of the surgery that goes behind a lot of people. And for me, I'm thinking of the Kardashians. Cause I remember growing up and being like, okay, this is how I want my body to look, which is, literally never going to happen unless I get surgery, unless I have someone who's making all my meals very specifically, unless I'm spending hours in the gym every day. And that's just not, um, not something that I think would make me happy. So I'm really glad that you touched on that and that, you know, you drew attention to the fact that health is not just one Mm -hmm. aspect. Um, with that, do you think that there is a way to, well, I guess you kind of answered that just a way to work on the physical while still maintaining your social health and mental health. Like if you have kind of a body goal or a weight loss goal, what are some ways that you can be healthy with that if that's even like possible? Yeah.
1: Um, Okay. I'm going to, again, answer it in multiple layers because this is a really important question of uh, body image almost, okay? Right. Um, Because what you're asking is, is it possible that you feel 100% physically healthy and mentally healthy and socially healthy and to that my answer is yes but if your question is is it possible that we match 100% of the physical health ideal and 100% of the mental health ideal and 100% of the social health ideal well that to my, that my question uh, my answer is i don't know i'm trying to work on just being 100% healthy in all three of these uh, areas. That's my focus. Um, and if somebody's trying to be the ideals in all three of them, I would love to hear who they think have achieved that in the past on this planet Earth. <laughs> and then that would be a really interesting conversation. And I think, yeah. you know, so. I think our focus on the 100% physical health ideal, which is this really thin, frail figure where all our clothes drape while simultaneously being very fit and healthy and athletic in that same body somehow is our ideal. And if we're trying to achieve that societal ideal, we have to understand that 90% of the bodies don't fit that ideal. And so most of us are living in a culture where the norm is to be dissatisfied with your body right and so i think our unhappiness and our optimization in three rounds comes from that dissatisfaction rather than a reality of our lived experiences like i think our bodies are amply healthy and they can they'd want to move they'd want to be relaxed um, and vital but it is kind of like When we are trying to push them without their consent towards these societal ideals, which are almost impossible to have, we run into a lot of dissatisfaction um, and therefore all the concerns and problems that we run into. Does that answer your question, Taylor?
0: Yes, it does, and I love everything that you touched on there. I kind of wanted to talk about too, along with society's standards of beauty and body image. I was wondering if you could explain the difference between body culture and diet culture. I saw that you had a post about it, and I've been meaning to ask you that. So, yeah, do you want to explain that difference between body culture and diet culture?
1: Absolutely, and you know, I I love that you again ask that question. Uh, you're a great interviewer because I truly <laughs> want to start a community of body culture um, because i you know we talk about diet culture a lot and everybody has some nebulous idea of what is diet culture and I truly believe that our obsession with what not to do prevents us from not being not able to do that and also to be able to do something else right so mm-hmm. we always think about don't eat carbs or like don't eat this don't eat sugar and so our brain continues to obsess about what not to do, what not to do. And I don't know if you've heard about the white polar bear experiment from Harvard. Like if I tell you, don't think about a white polar bear, all you're gonna think about (laughs) is the polar bear, right? (laughs) And so we're very obsessed with this idea of like, you know, what is bad, what shouldn't we do? And there's little clarity on what to do instead. And so that's really where my idea of body culture came in that, okay, we can understand that we live in diet culture and we need to exit it. But now, as we're exiting that diet culture, where, where do we go? Like, what are some directions? What are some milestones on that journey? And so that's really where my definition of body culture came in. And I define body culture as a mindset in which body is honored. So instead of honoring goals of other people or cultures that have been bestowed upon us, we are looking at our own body as a honorable and a trusting place, a place of guidance and wisdom. And we honor it by being aware of its signs and signals. So when it's telling us uh, that there's pain, that there's hunger, there's thirst, you know, we need to pee or poop or have sex or, you know, whatever, like our bodies are talking. um, And we're we're able to listen to those signals and respond to them in a timely manner. So it's not that we just listen to these signals and then we ignore them, whether that is signals of hunger, fullness, joy, pleasure, excitement, movement, right? We should be able to respond to them as well uh, in ways that we feel good. And so that's what I call body culture. And body culture is a response to diet culture where, um, you know, We experience this nagging sense of dissatisfaction even after eating a really good meal, even after eating like a well balanced meal or a really satisfying meal, uh, when we feel that, you know, we're not full despite eating a lot of food. That I define as diet culture because how we think is not how we feel. And feeling is the department of body and thinking is the department of mind. And when we feel like, when we're thinking that I should feel like this, but I'm not, that's where the body disconnect enters and diet culture promotes that disconnect because we get information such as don't respond to your hunger or, you know, eat This portion of protein and this portion of vegetables, rather than you listening to your own body and eating according to its needs, right? Um, and so that's kind of like my uh response to this diet culture where we feel like we don't know what to do anymore. If we're gonna, if we're not gonna eat you know 20 grams of protein, well, what do I eat then? And that's how we enter the body culture discussion. What do you think?
0: I love that and it's so true there's I love the thing you mentioned about the polar bear because I feel like I used to do this thing where I would eat whatever and then I'd be like, "Okay, starting Monday, I'm not having any junk food. No sugar, like I'm not going to Starbucks, all these things." And then come Sunday night, I'm literally just thinking of those things to the point that it's actually driving me crazy because I'm like okay, well, now that I'm saying I can't have it, now I want it so bad, (laughs) right? Um, And it's so true, right? If you say, don't think of X, whatever it is, that's all you're going to be thinking about. And even, I'm even going to take this a step further with um, Tiny Moments podcast listeners know that I'm super into like mindset and manifestation. And so even when I'm trying to manifest something for myself, I'm never going to say, I don't want this. I'm gonna say mm-hmm. I want this mm-hmm. because, Absolutely. you know, I just think that our our minds almost don't understand the negative. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you say you don't want something, you're almost attracting it or you're thinking about it more. And so I definitely feel that way about food. When I say okay, I can't eat this, then that's all I want, um, which is really interesting. But I'm glad that you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to that, like, what would your advice be for someone who? who just wants to be healthier, who wants to have more energy to feel um, stronger. So like I'll use this as an example for myself right now. I actually just got the okay from my athletic therapist to start working out again. And so I'm on a specific program, but not um, not because I want my body to look a certain way, but because I want to feel a certain way. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to eliminate my neck and back pain. So I'm on a very specific workout program right now, but I want to eat foods that make me feel more energized, that make me feel good, that make me feel strong. So in that sense, I guess, what advice would you have for someone like that or someone who just wants to feel good and yeah, just feel healthy? What would your advice be? Um, okay,
1: I'm going to answer each of these objectives that you have with this meal, um, which is you want to feel energy. You want to feel good. You want to feel healthy. And there was one other thing you mentioned. Strong. Strong, which is like fun thing, I am wearing (laughs) love that. that is said uh, made strong. And that is my response to you saying, I want to feel strong, which is, I want you, you know, all of these um, goals that you've listed, Taylor, it's important to recognize that these are all mental goals. Right. And of course, strength can be physical, but I think what you're referring to is uh, both the physical and the mental, right? And so, first of all, it's important to acknowledge that our goals, when we look at them, and you do manifestation work as well, and you know that's discussed in the same kind of psychological realm, which is the intention that you have. What is the physical, mental, and social intention? You have to be intent, uh, intentful in having all three elements uh, to make it a successful goal. First of all, right. Right. Uh, But secondly. Do you see the distortion between like when we're talking about health, you're still kind of looking at like, um, no, sorry, you're not looking at just the physical. You have now moved to the mental aspect of health, right? As you're moving forward, you're not asking beneath what workouts I should do. I think what you're really asking is how can I go about it in a healthy way so that mentally I feel energetic of wanting to do this you know, energy is another word for motivation. Uh, You want to feel motivated. You want to feel good, not only after it, but leading up to it and during it. And you want to feel healthy. And we talked about healthy as both physical, mental, and social. So you want those other two elements to be introduced into this mix. And you want to feel strong. And I want you to know that you are strong and you've done so many amazing things. And so instead of thinking that strength will come, you have to know that you are already strong, uh, you've healed and you're ready to move and work with your body and have fun with your body and be vital with your body. So that's the initial you know, refocusing uh, that we will do and the correction that we'll do. Then in terms of energy, uh, let go of um, any like, previous ways that you thought were successful workouts, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Instead of you deciding mentally what is the amount of time you should be working out? How many times should you be working out? What type of routines you need to go? You need to make that the second question. The first question you always ask um, whenever you're planning a workout is how is my body feeling, you know, and what does my body want to do today? physically does it want to feel does it want to move does it desire movement or does it desire rest because you know when we talk about physical health um and if we're not rested and optimal and we're always just pushing ourselves that's really where we lose a lot of our energy right right um so ask your bodies first how they're feeling and then get your brain on board and your brain can tell you what would be the best workout for how your body is feeling rather than predetermining that for yourself. Cause then if you're not feeling good, you're feeling like, Oh man, I have to do that today. Yeah. Uh, and your body is resisting and saying, Taylor, no, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Right? Yeah. So that's how you can honor your body and build a culture of body. Um, then you wanted to uh, feel good and, You know, you've said the answer. The answer is right there, which is as you're approaching that workout, you need to feel good. You need to ask yourself, do I feel good? And if not, how can I make myself like feel good about this? And that's really where your intention of mental, physical, social will come in and really provide that like inspiration fuel to be to be enjoying these workouts in a way that they're sustainable. Now, I know that there there was a layer of what kind of foods should I be eating to get to these stages as well, right? right? And I think that's also an important question. But when we're looking for that answer only, and we don't do these initial steps to make sure that we're prepared for this change, for this uh, change in behavior as well. And we're only looking at the second steps of what types of foods to eat. Well, that's when we're actually embarking on unhealthy eating behaviors, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Because we are living in that disconnection where we're telling our body what to do rather than listening to it and uh, gearing up to provide it what it needs. So foods become an important role, but the first question should always be, am I doing this right in response to my body's needs and desires? Um, and then in terms of types of foods, I think when you feel good, energetic, and healthy and strong about yourself, no matter what stage of this health journey you're in, you automatically want to, you know, respond to your hunger and eat good foods. But obviously, we want to look at like lots of variety of food. We want to look at fruit and vegetables in ways that is like colorful and delicious for us, we need to eat things that make us feel good physically. So whether that is, um, you know, more fresh, fibrous um, things on our plates, because I think that's what most people struggle with uh, having on their plates. But, you know, again, I, I hate talking about these things actually, Taylor, um, because I don't want to <laughs> spew the diet culturey things. I think Those things become important, but maybe we can talk about them in future when they do become important. Let's now, currently, let's just focus on our bodies uh, and make sure that they're feeling great. And then we can get to that second question.
0: Thank you so much for going into all of that. I feel like I just personally gained so much out of this conversation. And I feel like everyone listening definitely has as well. And I think another cool thing that you said too, is like listening to what types of workouts your body wants to do. And I think the thing that I kind of struggled with in the past was like, okay, I should be active. So I need to go to the gym, even if I don't feel like it. And I would totally ignore my body and what I wanted to do, even Yeah, when I was exhausted, I would still push myself to go. But then I kind of realized like, at first I thought, oh, well, if I listen to my body, I'll never go to the gym and I'll never do anything and I'll just lay in bed and watch Netflix or whatever. But then quarantine hit and we couldn't go to the gym and I didn't have that outlet anymore. And so then I realized I was like, oh, actually, like I want to go to the gym because I feel really good sweating it out. And to me, too, I feel like it's a Mental break because with my job, I'm just I'm on my laptop a lot. I'm on social media a lot, obviously, as a social media manager. And so for me, the gym became a place where I just had my music and I wasn't looking at a screen. And so that's what I actually realized over this past year is like, okay, if I listen to my body, I will work out. I will. I might not push myself and do specific exercises that I used to do to look a certain way, but I will work out. And I can mm-hmm. tell like I can just tell that I'm cranky if I haven't moved my body this like today, you know? Um, And so I thought that was really cool that you mentioned that because I think that's a huge misconception when it comes Mm. to intuitive eating and listening to your body when it comes to movement, because people always think, oh, well, if it's up to me, I'll not, I won't do any of those things, but really like you will crave those things. And that's what I realized like during quarantine, but yeah, thank you again so much for, everything that you shared today. I just feel like you dropped so many gems, so much knowledge. And I guess my last kind of thing on my end is if you had one piece of advice for anybody listening, for anybody struggling with food, with diet culture, body image, what would your piece of advice be?
1: You know, that I think, uh, again, a really good question. I think if I was listening to something, I would definitely want to know the answer to that. So to this answer, I have three statements that I want to make. Um, And so the first statement really is to remember that we can't be at peace with our food if we're at war with our bodies right? So when we're looking at food, we got to take into account our body and our relationship with body. My second statement is really be positive instead of negative when it comes to the changes that we're trying to make in our behavior. Um, And so that really means uh, the third line, which is focus on what you can instead of what you can't. And that's goes with your food and your workout routines as well. Anytime we're, you know, not feeling energetic or really stuck in a certain pattern, just be positive and focus on what you can.
0: Amazing. I love those last three things that you just said. And again, thank you so much for being here today. I had so much fun chatting with you and I I feel like I just learned so much. So thank you so much for being here. And do you want to tell everybody where they can find you, how they can book? Is it called a session or an appointment with you? Um, Yeah. Let everyone know.
1: Absolutely. Well, first of all, Taylor, thank you so much. This was truly a joy. I had such a fun time uh, talking about all of these concepts. Um, And then Secondly, I I have a private practice at Fortify Wellness. They're on 123 Marion, uh, close to St. Boniface Hospital. So I uh, do take bookings for uh, nutrition therapy and nutrition assessment. Um, So you can uh, call Fortify Wellness and book an appointment with them, or you go to our website, which is um, thisisfortify.ca, and you can also book appointments online. Um, And I also have a social media page, which I am trying to work on. And I feel like my journey with social media is going to take me back to my intuitive eating principles um, because I'm trying to work on it intuitively. So that's been a fun journey. um, And so my social media is nourishing that
0: amazing i will link all of that down below you guys can just click the direct link there and yeah thank you again so much for being on the show thank you guys all for listening if you want to catch up with me you guys know where to find me i'm on instagram at taylor francisco tiny moments podcast is of course on instagram as well which i will link below and stay tuned for weekly episodes every monday at 7 a.m central time thank you guys again and have a great day